You're listening to Crushing It, a podcast with me, Jennifer Hoff, a place to highlight women who are empowering others, sharing advice, and just doing good. I hope it inspires you to learn, grow, and go out in the world and crush it. My guest this week is truly crushing it. She lives in Southwest Washington, is an herbalist, an anthropologist, a safari guide at one point, a mother, and she just happened to survive 57 days in the wilderness on the History Channel series called Alone. We want to give a warm welcome to Nicole Apellian. Thank you so much for being here, Nicole. Oh, you're welcome. It's great to be here today, Jennifer. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so I had said earlier that my best friend describes you as a badass, and <laughs> I think she would like to be best friends with you now instead of me. <laughs> so my first question for you is how would you describe yourself? Because you certainly have accomplished a lot. Oh, wow. That's, that's an interesting question. I don't get asked that one a lot. <laughs> you know, I think, um, I think I'm a, you know, I'm a smart woman. I'm a great mom. And for me, you know, I'm kindness. That's, that's really what I'm, I'm all about. Kindness and being purposeful in my life and passionate about what I do. So mm. for me, I think, you know, an herbalist is a great description. Someone who loves the outdoors is all about nature connection and, you know, staying connected with people. You know, it's been really hard during, of course, these times of COVID for people and trying to give people a, some hope of how to stay connected and how to stay joyful and happy. So I don't know. I don't know if that really described me, but uh, I'm, I'm a pretty joyful, happy person. And I, uh, like to be able to share, you know, ways of, of keeping joy up in people's lives with others. Well, speaking of the series alone, one of the ways that you are described online is the happiest camper. <laughs> so I think that's a really good way to describe it. You hopped off the plane or you were in the middle of the wilderness and you were just right at home, it looked like. You know, I loved it out there. It's, uh, I didn't find it scary to be alone in the woods. I think a lot of people have fear around that. And on a show like Alone, where you really are alone, we, we do all our own filming, so there's no camera crew there. You know, and you're dropped really in the middle of nowhere, and we're our own safety net. So I think if you let fear creep in, that being alone can really actually take you out of it. And uh, for me, I've always been at home in the woods. I've spent a lot of time by myself in other places. Um, I work a lot in Botswana, and I've spent a lot of time solo when I was doing lion research there years ago. And I really have this love of, um, you know, being in the wilderness. So I felt really at home in nature and it didn't ever feel lonely. I also knew I was coming back. So, you know, there is that. I did have a family waiting for me at home. And uh, so they, it wasn't that I was never going to see them again. Um, but, you know, the two months that I spent there, I, I really did feel joyful. It wasn't, a, wasn't that I didn't film the bad parts. I really filmed everything and just had this wonderful experience of, being allowed to just be in nature for two months it was but where does that really come important. from and how what advice do you have for people because that's very important to be able to be comfortable with ourselves whether we're unemployed and have to sit around and be in our thoughts about what's happening next or we're in the middle of nowhere for a television show I mean how does some somebody learn the importance of being okay with their self and being alone yeah, I think it's a hard skill to learn. I think especially in our modern society, um, I feel blessed. You know, I'm, I'm 50, so I grew up when we didn't have, I wasn't allowed to watch TV, so we didn't have TV. We didn't have, obviously, cell phones or computer or internet. So really our imagination had to be able to take over. And I spent a lot of time, you know, out 
in the backyard and running around and reading my books and with my collections and spending time by myself. And I think nowadays with kids not being able to be bored as much, uh, it's, and I think, you know, something like COVID maybe has, you know, weird positive ways allowed kids that time to have imagination and boredom, which is really good because it sparks creativity. I think that I was lucky to have grown up in a time where we had that freedom. And I think the other thing is I've worked through a lot of my stuff, right? We all have stuff. We all have trauma. We all have things that happen in our lives. And, you know, when you're by yourself, all of that creeps up. So if you're not comfortable with that or haven't really worked through that, I think it's really difficult to be by yourself because we try to cover that up. And when you're alone, you know, all of that bubbles to the surface. So if you haven't dealt with it, uh, I think it can be really hard for some people. Yeah, I think that's a really, really good point. It's something I'm learning too, as I'm sort of in this transition mode as well. It's very important to confront some of that stuff and it's gonna be hard and scary, but you gotta kind of get over that hump. I still could not survive two days in the wilderness. <laughs> you did 57 <laughs> days. <laughs> um, but it was on Vancouver Island, right? Yes, it was on northwest corner of Vancouver Island, really where all the waves and the wind hit in the fall and winter. So rain every day. I think we had two days that didn't have rain out of the entire time. So you're really in the weather all the time. But, but still, we're sitting here in the Pacific Northwest. Mm -hmm. um, did you feel like you had an edge at all? because it was in the same region? Yeah, probably I did. You know, I never, I never really crossed my mind. I'm not, um, I guess I did have some sort of edge. I mean, I, I have a, my master's is in marine biology. So that, that helped as far as knowing all the food and being an herbalist and knowing the plants definitely was an advantage because you know, when I got injured, I had plants that I could use. I utilized a lot of different foods. Um, I think I ate 26 species of food while I was out there just from foraging and, and uh, you know, fishing and things like that and gathering food in the wild. So really the breadth of food allowed me to stay out there quite a bit longer um, than maybe I would have if I hadn't had that knowledge. And is a lot of your experience with being an herbalist and that, did that come years prior to this uh, time that you spent on the show? I mean, you sort of had that background, right? Most definitely, yeah. I first really, I've always been, my degrees, my undergraduate and my first graduate degree are in biology. So I've always had this love of the outdoors and camping and being outside and nature connection. I grew up that way. And then uh, my doctorate's in uh, sustainability education, but in cultural anthropology. And that was all spent with the Kalahari Bushmen doing research around, um, around systems there. And so I've spent a lot of time just living, living this sort of life, this wilderness outdoor lifestyle. Uh, but really herbalism came in really strongly. 20 years ago, I got diagnosed with multiple sclerosis and I was able to utilize diet and herbal supplements and you know, medicinal mushrooms and things like that to basically manage my MS. So I I haven't had new lesions in 20 years, so I've been doing really well, and I was in a, in a wheelchair for a few years. So it really altered my life being able to utilize what's just around me, where I live, what I grow in my garden, and what's in the woods to be able to manage on a daily basis, you know, something like multiple sclerosis. 
It's really an incredible story. And for folks who are listening um, and they can't see you or they don't know who you are, I highly recommend just to doing a quick Google search because you are the most passionate, excitable. I mean, you are just wonderful. You describe yourself as going from you couldn't walk to now thriving. And it's so evident in just even the short time I met you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's, I'm really glad that I've been able to utilize, you know, nature, what, what we're just has been around for thousands and thousands and tens of thousands of years. And I think a lot of that has been sort of forgotten. And I think there's this wonderful resurgence of looking at what we can use from nature, which is how we sort of grew up. I mean, really, you know, historically, we're all, we're all sort of, you know, still historically are, are you know, have our ancestral DNA, we're all sort of hunter gatherers really at heart. And, uh, I think a lot of the modern lifestyle that's been sort of thrust on us has been really hard, both emotionally and physically. It's brought a lot of things to our bodies and into our minds that we're really not genetically wired to deal with. So I feel that being able to bring in that sort of nutrition and herbs and, um, and even mindset has allowed me to thrive and be really healthy in my daily life and on alone. <laughs> Yeah, and you mentioned, especially during COVID, what advice do you have for people to sort of connect with nature uh, in general, but also during these unprecedented times, especially if they don't, um, maybe they live in the city or maybe they live in an apartment or, you know, they don't have really those opportunities to, to really immerse themselves in nature. Is there some small steps that you would recommend people can take? I think there are, I think that's a great question because I get that question a lot. Well, I don't live in nature, so how do I connect with it? How do I still get the benefits of nature? And I have friends in downtown you know, Manhattan who are able to do that. There's a great blog on my website, it's nicolapellian.com, and one of them talks about how to connect with nature even in a city. And some tangible, simple ways are things like even sitting on your front porch, porch. I some sand, we'll edit this part, well, sorry. And some tangible ways are things like just sitting on your front porch and having a bird feeder out there. Going out there for 20 minutes a day without your phone, no, so no media, and just sitting and observing. Uh, bird feeder is a great way to bring nature to you if you live in a city. Or finding a spot in your backyard. I call it, it's a sit spot. It's a sort of common term in nature connection. And it's a place that you go every day and you just be. And you get to notice the subtle changes. You get to notice the hawk that comes in. You get to notice in a neighborhood, maybe the local cat. You get to read the bird language and realize, oh my gosh, when that bird makes that noise or the crows are doing this, I know that this is happening. And it's incredible what observations you can make short period of time. So having somewhere like that to go, and some people do it in a park, but I really feel it has to be accessible and somewhere you can go every day even working in the garden or doing you know, things with your hands and digging in the dirt. So you don't have to live in nature in order to have these nature connection experiences. You can do it simply by being outside and sitting on your porch and observing what's around you. That is so important. Say that again, you don't have to live in nature to have those experiences. Exactly, it does help, but you don't have to live in nature to have those experiences. You can create, there's nature all around, there's nature in a city. So you really can be able to, sit and observe and bring nature to you. As I said, a bird feeder is one of the best ways I know, or a small garden or both, and be able to just enjoy and be off of, also unplug for that period of time. You know, they show that people that give gratitude, that's another one of my big, big tangible ways to be happier, just simply giving thanks for something external. 
causes an internal shift in people and actually does cause them to be happier. It doesn't mean that those people discard what's bad or what's wrong or don't think about the things that they need to, but it means that they think about things in a more positive way. And it's incredible, the research around something simple like gratitude. And how that can shift one's entire life. My husband and I are huge outdoor enthusiasts, but we never forget that we have the advantage of a truck, of um, the ability to drive and go somewhere. I mean, Oregon, the best thing about Oregon, I always say, is the accessibility of things. So you can be to the ocean, the mountain, an alpine lake, really not that, it doesn't take all that long but we still have the advantage to be able to go there. And so I never forget that because I know we are incredibly lucky to be able Mm -hmm. to do that because not everybody can. So I think your little, to find those little bits right uh, where you live is very important. Um, I want to go back to your wilderness living skills because I want to know how they might apply to everyday life and what exactly a wilderness kit looks like for a woman since we are women here crushing it i wanted to know what you would recommend for somebody to have in a kit for them sure i think there's a few questions in there um so what does wilderness skills look like first of all you know i think it i always i teach a lot of things called traditional skills gatherings this year's they've been canceled of course but they're i uh, say they're the best summer camp for adults ever and you look around and everyone's happy because people are doing traditional skills that our ancestors have done for generations. No matter where you're from in the world, your ancestors did these. So you making a basket or tanning a hide or learning how to flint nap uh, an arrowhead or making a knife, whatever that is, you're actually doing it with your hands. And there's something about that, that crafting that just ties you into your sort of your primal DNA and your primal brain everyone is pretty happy doing those skills. You don't see people, you know, in um, unhappy in that situation. So I think that aspect of wilderness living is really important to be able to tap into our primal selves. Sort of the second piece of that question is what else can we do? I find for me, you know, I'm such a big forager and herbalist, and I find for me, being able to walk out my door in my garden and in the woods and know what plants are around and what they're used for and snack my way through the woods and be able to collect things for all winter. I think that's important. First of all, it's free food, which is important, especially in these times when people maybe are losing jobs. Second of all, there's medicine right at our door. Superbly well without the side effects of a lot of Western medicine. So knowing what those are, I think is so important because you can incorporate them into your daily life. And they're also, they're so nutritious. Um, being able to pick pick greens from the wild, for example. So I think that's a really good way as well. Now, your other question is very different. You know, what do you care? What do I carry with me? I actually have a great article on my website about what's in my emergency bag. And I have all of the the little bits of fire, shelter, water, medical, and signaling, because you never know what's going to happen. And then, you know, food. Food's not actually that important. People are always like, food's not important. But in an emergency situation, you know, you're hoping to get found uh, pretty soon. So really, you know, you can go a really long time without eating. It's not fun, but you can. So really the basics of shelter and fire and, and medical and, you know, signaling so people can find you are very important and being able to have access to clean water. So uh, all of those are, are found, can easily be found on my website, but there are things of how do you make fire to stay warm? Why do you carry an emergency blanket? And what I do is I arrange this emergency kit around my water bottle so it's really small 
so that I can take it with me everywhere I go. It lives in my car. So if there's an emergency, I'm probably at home and my car's here. Or if I've gone somewhere, I've probably driven my car to get there. Unless I'm on a hike and then I'll take that little bag with me. So it's a way to keep lightweight and always have all the things with you that you might need. Um, and it saved me and many other people many times. That's so important, especially where we live. If we're all, you know, there's so many hikers and people who are out and about in our uh, in the Pacific Northwest. And one one example was my husband and I took our two old dogs out, and we're doing about two three miles now because they just can't go very far. And we did cloud cap, uh, Mount Hood, and it said about two and a half miles. Well. Mm -hmm. I research a lot and I take pride in how much work I do before we head out, but I thought that's easy. We'll get up and we'll get back in no time. Well, it was sand. It was straight up. The dogs got really thirsty and it turned into more than four miles, which may not sound like a lot to some people, but we ran out of water. The dogs were clearly done and I had left everything in the truck thinking, well, we'll be down and back in no problem. And so I just felt sick because I had all my supplies down too far away from us. And so that's an example of anything can happen out there, no matter if you think you're going on a short hike or not, and how much better it is to be prepared and have a small kit like you did, no matter where you go. Yeah, an emergency preparedness kit is, is key. And I, I teach a class about it because I think it's so important. And it's very simple. And I do a list of everything again on the website. It's pretty easy to find. But, you know, it's generally people that have a story just like you. You know, they know maybe they know what they're doing. They've researched it. They're going to go out for a quick day hike. But things change. The weather changes. It's longer than they expected. Someone gets an injury. Any of those things can happen. They lose their way. There's so many little things that can go wrong. And if you just have that little bag with you, that can save you. Basically, it could save lives. So I think it's a, a really simple thing to do. And it really could help you or someone else on the trail who needs your help. I want to ask you really quick about your time in Africa. And if there was one uh, experience or lesson that really stood out for you then, um, I mean, I just, I can hardly wrap my brain around. It just sounds incredible. It sounds just, what an experience. Is there anything that still these years later stand out to you? Boy, yeah, there's so many stories. I'm trying to think which one I should pinpoint because I've been working in Botswana for over 25 years. Um, I originally went with the Peace Corps in the mid nineties. And uh, so I think one, one was really a really poignant moment. Um, I was about oh, maybe this 10 or 11 ago, and we were in the Kalahari Desert with a community of sun bushmen who are, who are like family to me. And one of the elders there, Hanma, um, who's since passed, he was the elder medicine man. And we were there and, and one of the people with us, my friend John actually had a little pocket watch and we were all just out in the middle of the Kalahari sitting together and enjoying some bush foods and John looked down at his pocket watch and Hanuma said to him, he said, is that a timepiece? And through a translator. And John said, well, yes, it is. And he says, oh, we don't like those. And John said, oh, why is that? And Hanuma said, because every time one of you looks at that, the next thing you do is rude. And I thought, the next thing you do is rude. Wow. Like it, and the, the lesson from that is it brings you out of the present moment. So the thing that I've really learned from that community is how to live in the present moment. And that's why I loved being on Alone so much 
because all I could think about was fire, shelter, water, food. <laughs> like that's it. There was nothing else I could think about. I was just living in the present. And when people live in the present, you know, there's that great book about the power of now. You know, you're not worried about the past. You're not thinking too much about the future. You're just in the moment. And let's say you're at dinner with someone and they look at their cell phone and you're in a conversation with them. Again, that, that was rude, right? It just, not only because they looked at their phone, because it just brought that person out of the present moment and they're no longer with you and engaged in, in the now. So I thought that was a really wonderful lesson about how to live in the present. And they show that people who live in the present are, are generally happier. And it, it doesn't mean you don't plan for your future, right? It doesn't mean that. Um, it means that you're able to enjoy the moments that you're in. And how important is that with your friends and family? Because really that's what matters. And now more than ever. And if that was over a stopwatch, now add in an iPhone and how much that takes us out of any situation. Exactly. So I thought that was a beautiful lesson. I, I feel the community there is just is so good about living in the present and uh, because that's, that's how they live. <laughs> but it was, I've learned a lot of lessons. I've had, I've, got a lot of, excuse me, I've had a lot of lessons that I've been able to take home and incorporate into our family life. And that's been really, really helpful and, and wonderful. I think that's an important one for everybody nowadays. Uh, what are you working on next? Where, you know, kind of twofold, what, what are you doing now? And, you know, where can people find you if they uh, were inspired by you or they want to learn more about you? Great. Um, they can find me on my website, nicolean, A-P-E-L-I-A-N.com. And uh, I'm working on a few things. I've got a couple of books out. I have my lost book of herbal remedies, the healing power of plant medicine. There's a direct link on my website under Nicola Pellian backslash books. I have another book about wilderness survival out as well. And I also have an herbal apothecary, you know, a lot of the tinctures and salves and things that I use in my daily life. Our family really, we just use my, utilize my apothecary for all of our medical needs. And I have an online apothecary also on my website. And that's been, you know, that takes a lot of my, my time and energy because I really put a lot of thought into, you know, what tinctures I want to have available, what herbs are good for what, um, what uses and how to make sure that I'm giving the best possible products out to the world. This winter, I hope to be working on a, um, probably another book. So um, we'll see what, what transpires. And I normally do a lot of teaching, but it's been, of course, with COVID being pulled back a lot, which has been fine because I have, you know, my boys home and we're, we're doing a lot here on our property. So we've been really focusing on putting in new gardens and working the land and, and that sort of thing. But most of my time, I would say, is spent writing and, and working in my apothecary, which I do love, and getting the word out about autoimmune conditions and MS and how to treat them naturally. Um, I'm not, I shouldn't say treat, how to uh, manage them naturally. And because I really feel like there's a lot we can do with diet and herbs and supplements that, you know, really the Western medicine, Western medicine doesn't have a lot to do for autoimmune illnesses. And I personally feel that there is a lot that we can do. So I try to share my story with others, not in a preachy way, but a way like this, that this is an option and one that has indeed worked for me and many other people. So getting that and word all out you is need important. is that one spark to put that in someone's head to think about a new way to maybe do things, which, you know, if it works for them and then it snowballs and uh, certainly worked for you. And uh, I think you are an absolute inspiration to a lot of people right here in our backyard in the Pacific Northwest and have clearly made an impact much further than that. Uh, so thank you for that. 
Oh, great. Yeah, thank you so much, Jennifer. I appreciate it. <laughs> Before we go, I want to do a quick lightning round with uh, five different right. questions. Are you okay with that? All right, let's see. <laughs> I want the first answer that comes to your, to your head here. Number one, what is the first thing that you would do in a pressure-filled situation? Smile. <laughs> I like that. Number two, we kind of went over this. What is one word to describe yourself? Mm, joyful. Three, name something that brings you complete joy. My children. Number four, what is your favorite food? Oh, wow. That's a tough one. There's so many. Um, I would have to say sushi. <laughs> I love raw fish. <laughs> yes. <laughs> raw salmon is my favorite. <laughs> you and me both. Oh, my gosh. So good. Mm -hmm. um, you had mentioned that you're 50, right? Yes. Women just get better with age. Um, but yes, the last yes. question is, what is the one thing that you would tell your 25-year-old self? Oh, half and follow your passions because everything's going to be okay. <laughs> Say that one more time. Stay on your path and follow your passions because everything is going to be okay. Everything is going to be okay. Mm -hmm. I like that. I think that is a good ending point right there. Um, Nicole, thank you so much for your time and for doing this. I really, really appreciate it. Wonderful. So nice meeting you, Jennifer. I really appreciate the interview today. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Crushing It. If you're interested in any of Nicole's journey, her advice, or apothecary, be sure to click on my Facebook and Twitter accounts for more information. Next week's guest has been crushing it in the financial world, and she has some really important advice that you won't want to miss, especially during these tough times. Until then, keep crushing it.